Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and Eddie Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, Andy Smart was back, comedy store player, ball runner, Farnborough fan, and he's been giving us his top five sporting movies every week on a different theme. Today was F1, so uh, that was fun, so he gave us those. We talked about a famous old game, Andy, from 1962, which it was the anniversary today. It was incredible, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed that little chat. I'd for- I hadn't forgotten it because I'd only watched it about two weeks ago, but it's incredible. <laughs> well, we do, you don't incredible. ask me, so you could well have forgotten <laughs> it. Uh, uh, Andy Small was on good form today with his uh, best five I've F1 films. That, I know, know but I, you're I enjoyed it. And I'm not I thought Andy Small was really good as well, I felt today. <laughs> what about the Battle of Santiago? I got, we about I, that, I got distracted by a message that was relevant to this, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Uh, Clips and the old clips. Have you mentioned that? Uh, no, I, no, I haven't okay. forgotten that much. The old clips <laughs> we brought you from uh, 2006. We had Striker and we went to St. Petersburg where uh, Mark, who works for them, was telling us about how they hope to come back playing in Russia with fans in the stadium. He explained also uh, that gives you a sense of it. Here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Ed. Good afternoon, Paul. And uh, I've had a little bet on the racing this afternoon, only a small one, in the 3.05 at Newcastle. I've gone on lockdown. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's, got, it's got to win, hasn't it? It feels <laughs> like it's written, doesn't it? Lockdown, <laughs> yeah. What are the odds, then? Has it got a, has it got a viable Four to chance? One. Four to one. Oh, OK. Maybe, I, maybe yeah. I'll join in as well and we can uh, cheer it on. And uh, they'll definitely be having a laugh at Blackburn training over the quote from Bradley Dack's girlfriend. I think we know what she meant, but she, I think she meant that obviously Bradley's in lockdown has needed a lot of attention. But she said, Bradley's like a golden retriever. You have to give him <laughs> lots of exercise and attention. <laughs> really? The, the, other lad, the other lads will have a bit of oh, fun yeah, with they'll, that, they'll they? be, uh, <laughs> they'll be reading. They'll be reading that one out, certainly, yeah. Uh, nine to two now, Andy, lockdown. Oh, okay, that's good. Right, interesting. Okay, well, look, we'll keep. So it's, we'll keep. it's gone out since we mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> you've got the old Midas touch, you have, haven't you? Oh, yeah, have def- you gone to oh, win definitely. or have you uh, have you each way? It's not much. Oh no, point, I've, I've each way. I've each way. Each yeah, way. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, right. I've done each way. I think. All right, Chances comes out about evens, doesn't it? Each way, yeah. something like that. Uh, David Coulthard has said that mm. uh, the reason he's got such a square jaw, do you see this, is no. because he used to clench his teeth while driving. 
and he said it, it forced his jaw to go quite square. So I, had a, I thought, well, I'll just have a look and see what he looked like as a boy. So yeah. I Googled him, David Coulthard as a boy, and he's right. He, he, he did have a squarish sort of face, but it did go much squarer yeah. as he got older. So uh, we'll take him at his word there that F1 made his jaw go square. I don't know if that's true or not. And, <laughs> well, it might be, you never know. Um, oh, yes, last night, uh, table tennis news. And, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, last week we did it at 1,169, and, and following that, we just never got anywhere near it. And you start to believe, you think, well, this, is, this was a freak, this was a one-off. Anyway, we managed to get to a, a quite reassuring 922. Oh, that's good. Night. Before Sue dumped her forehand into the net. We great, she was so disappointed. I said to her, look, at least it shows we've still got it. We've still got it. So there you go. <laughs> I, was, I was watching uh, The Last Dance last night. It is excellent, actually. Yeah. It really is a brilliant documentary. And uh, I got to the thing where Jordan returned to the uh, Madison Square Garden after being out for baseball, his yeah. first game back at the garden. And as the players come out, there's a blo- there's a hand there, sort of fat hand, and it's just like the moose. <laughs> First of all, it's sort of ignored by Patrick Ewing, walks yeah. past it, and then Jordan walks straight past it. I thought that's, that's <laughs> definitely the moose. He must have been in the in the garden that day. But never. Why know. do people Who just knows? dangle the hand like that in the hope that one of them will touch it? But yeah, it, it, it didn't look that appealing, did it? I mean, it's, I suppose in <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> after all this, that kind of hand waved from uh, the the roof of the tunnel. Yeah. Is, uh, is going to get even worse, isn't it, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> I, I watched the end of that um, Sky documentaries documentary uh, with Dick Cavett and Muhammad Ali oh, it's that good, Martin Kellner yeah. mentioned last week. And uh, after the Ken Norton fight where his jaw was broken, he went on Dick Cavett's show shortly after that. And when he was interviewed, he did sound like Mark Viduka. It was great. It was great. Incredible. <laughs> Muhammad Ali with a broken jaw. He didn't sound Australian, but there was there was a hint of Mark Luca. Yeah, it's a remarkable program that yeah. Martin Kellner was right. It's got footage I've never seen, interviews I've never seen, bits I've never seen. So no. really fascinating. And they had a special relationship. Uh, this is good news for people who are hoping that one day to be able to go back to football. And we're hearing, we're going to hear later from Russia what they're planning. But yeah. a firm has developed a disinfectant <clears throat> tunnel that kills COVID-19. It sprays a fine non-toxic mist that wipes out virtually all germs while leaving the clothes dry. So yeah. basically you could imagine that that they put this at probably at turnstiles and things like that, and you could sort of walk through and know that you were at least externally COVID-free. Obviously, it still wouldn't make a difference if you were asymptomatic or something like that, but it, mm. it's it's a help. It's a start. So Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we may be chatting to the people behind it. Andy, we talked last week with John Day, the author of the excellent book Homing. He, I think today, was no, it's tomorrow, isn't it? He's got his first... He's, uh, he's, he's working with his pigeons again. It's his first pigeon race. But there was a big pigeon race. It made all the yeah. national press. Ended in Barnsley uh, yesterday. And uh, the spokesperson uh, for uh, the race was a guy called John Greenshield. I wonder what they called him in the dressing room in the 70s. <laughs> are you go- are you- when are you going to say he really stamped his authority? Yeah, Ask exactly. your granddad, kids. We used Stamps to collect Greenshield stamps in a book. And then we'd go and buy items, a bit like Argus, but you basically collected. Anyway, it's a long story. I'll ask your granddad. I can see but it coming he, back. He was I'm talking about, about pigeons. Talking about pigeons. And he said they, they can put on a bit of weight during the winter when they're not flying. So they get wow. a bit of a... They, they do a kind of pigeon equivalent to Joe Wicks. And, <laughs> pre-season. But, but they have, to, they have to do a big pre-season. But he said then they, you need to adapt their diet and then get a training program up and running. But I wouldn't. I wonder what a pigeon looks like with a bit of a derby on. 
Uh, well, mm. Quite strange, wouldn't it? But they uh, go, they go at quite yeah. a pace. They flew ninety miles in less than two hours, which is you know, it's not bad, is it? Really, that is impressive. Anyway, um, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl has got a new four-year contract, which is great news for him, but not such great news for our own Ian Holloway and Ray Parler. He was mm. not wanted. He was not having a good season, and, and in come uh, Hasselhooter, and, and before you know it, wow! Southampton defended for their lives. They really did, and. Ursul Hunter was, was um, he, he was so pleased. <laughs> Another four years, they've got to have a crack at it again. Hussle Hunter. Hunter. It's, it's a great best, show, Hussle Hunter. I don't know if you've watched it. It's on it's Netflix. Isn't it? yeah. It's brilliant. They found four Hussles so far, and I think they've got a couple more to find for the end yeah. of the series. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We read today that uh, Italy are considering allowing some fans into stadiums when games start on June the 20th. There's nothing more than that at the moment. No hard and fast decisions, but they would like some fans to be in the stadium. It's a little more... Uh, it's a little further down the road, should I say, in Russia, where they, I think they have decided to invite fans back when their um, season starts again on June the 21st. But in limited numbers, as you can imagine. And uh, joining us now to chat about that is uh, Mark from Zenit St. Petersburg. We've spoken to him before. He looks after all their social media in English. Good afternoon, Mark. Uh, good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Andy. So, oh, uh, you, you must be very excited, of course, because uh, Zenit were flying and uh, a bit like Liverpool. Um, look like they're going to get the job done once you get back underway. Yes, yes, uh, we're nine points clear. Uh, there's eight games to go. Um, and that's right, the league resumes on the 21st of June. Uh, the initial announcement on the 15th of May said that all games were going to be held behind closed doors. Uh, the eight games are going to be played over a month, so two games a week. Uh, five subs and the Russian Cup's also coming back, so we get very excited. But then on Thursday, uh, the government announced that games could be played with 10% capacity of the stadiums. They, they felt that was a safe amount. Um, and for a, a club like Zenit, where we've got the Gazprom Arena, which uh, you might know from the World Cup, which, which at the World Cup held 68,000. That's its, mm. its maximum capacity. That we generally reduce that down a little bit into the high fifties for the league games. So, um, but we, you know, we're looking at having six thousand eight hundred fans, uh, or, or there or thereabouts, for our league games. How, how are they going to choose the fans? Because this, I think, this is quite an appealing idea, and I think it would be an appealing idea for the Premier League. I kind of tra- sort of worked it out that if you had a stadium of forty thousand, you, you'd go every sixth game or something like that. But I mean, how, how are you going to work this out? Who gets the tickets? Well, well, that, that is the uh, that's the big question, Andy. That's all everyone's talking about here. Um, there's nothing concrete said as yet, but the the feeling around it at the club, uh, from me speaking to my colleagues, what we're looking at is, is a lottery. Um, when we have our fans forum held at stable, obviously that's always massively oversubscribed, so we do a lottery for that. But we've got fifteen thousand season ticket holders, uh, as have Spartak Moscow. So um, it will be it'll be a lottery amongst them whether it's going to be divided out you know people get yeah one one in six games or you know you take your chances you might get all six you might get none that's that's not been decided yet but um so we, we've got you know we're looking at hopefully six thousand fans from our fifteen thousand season ticket holders um clubs like spartak oh, i mean at the world cup you, you you'd have seen all the stadiums there the new stadiums they all mm. roughly hold about forty five thousand. so you know those clubs are going to be looking at four and a half thousand spartak it's the same situation four and a half thousand for them so there's, there's no concrete answer as yet, but it looks like a lottery. Uh, a rota would seem fairer than a lottery for your 15,000 season ticket holders, really. You know, So you might not go at the first game, but you know within four matches you're going to get to see a game. And that, that would feel fairer than just 
Yeah, and just so. the lottery, because that, that could lead to a bit of a black market. You could see that those become quite coveted tickets, couldn't they? Oh, very much so. I'll, I'll put that idea forward at the next uh, meeting, Paul. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, well, we're, we're, the journos, we're the same because um, we're our next game is away at CSK Moscow, which is which is one of the big games of the season. And mm. from from it, it's it's fifty journalists only per match, so there's a big who's get, who's going to get the tickets for that. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, hopefully in the next few days we'll be getting a concrete answer. Um, I mean, there are small clubs like, uh, like Tambov, for example. They, they play in one of the World Cup stadiums. They play in Nizhny Novgorod Stadium, which is a big 45,000. But they only average an attendance of about 6,000. So for them, it's you know it's not going to be a big issue. Um, yeah. But yeah, for us big clubs, it, it is a bit up in the air. What about, finally, what about getting to and from the stadium? And, and sorry, we went to that stadium in St. Petersburg, and it's well connected to the city with the subway and all that. But I mean, that's that's a problem in itself, isn't it? Sort of socially distancing people into the into the ground. Well, the uh, the government announced actually just today in St. Petersburg. Now, face masks and gloves, uh, they are mandatory on, on public transport, on the buses, on the metro. Um, but you, you see our, our arena, Gazprom Arena, has got three metro stations and it's got a huge long walkway through a big park, hasn't it? So mm-hmm. that's fairly safe. I mean, our last home game of the se- uh, before the break in the middle of March, we going in, we were all tested. We had our temperatures taken and our tonsils checked. Um and by medical staff, so that then that was for every fan. So that I'm sure that will be in place again uh, across Russia. But yeah, that's where it stands at the moment. We're not not it's not concrete, mm. but fans will be there. Fantastic! Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think yeah. I think the world will be watching. Really, as I said, Italy are are talking about it, and I think a lot of countries will be looking at what happens in Russia uh, and how things go, and, especially and how for the new season as well. Yeah, and how you manage it, Mark, and how, you know the, the the ways in and the ways out, and keeping the social distancing and making sure you don't get lots of people all meeting up on on the concourses. So I think uh, the the old eyes of the world will be on on Russia's return. I think. Oh well, yeah, let's hope so. I mean, and uh, I'll give it a plug. You can all watch the Russian Premier League on YouTube. It's uh, it's, it's still paid subscription. I think it's like five dollars a month, but that's it's available. And I can I can tell you, I was speaking to a colleague today from the Russian Premier League. Um, they are in negotiations to show Russian football uh, on a, on a major European broadcast. And um, oh. hopefully that should be sorted out when we come back on the twenty first of, of June. So oh, okay, well, blimey. Oh, we, we, we haven't got enough football to watch already with Poland, <laughs> Denmark, the Premier League, Spain, Italy, now Russia and the Championship. Good to talk to you, Mark. All the best. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. All the best, boys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Every Tuesday, Andy Smart has been joining us over the last uh, few weeks to pick his uh, top five uh, sporting movies from a, a different uh, sport. And we've had football, we've had American sports and uh, horse racing. We have reached um, motorsport. Uh, and uh, Andy joins us again. Good afternoon, Andy. Afternoon, boys. So I actually uh, kept it to... I actually kept it just to Formula One because otherwise you start bringing in all sorts of films like uh, Cannibal Run and uh, Death mm. Race 2000. And uh, so I've just kept it to Formula One this, this week. Okay. You purist, you. Yeah, you're just such a purist. purist and yeah, yeah, yeah. Timely, of course, as <laughs> you're hearing from Joe, it's back. You know, it's in the news. You're Mr. Zeitgeist, isn't you? Yeah, back so anyway, in August. Yeah, yeah. This was, this was a new film to me. It's called The Young Racers. Um, on the poster, yeah. it said, A little death each day. A lot of love every night, which sounds like a great lyric. <laughs> so I tell you what, let's kick off because the trailer of this is quite similar to a lot of the trailers we're about to hear. It's yeah. a bit of a recurring theme in a lot of F1 films, but let's oh, give you yeah. a flavour of the young racers. Here we go. 
in all the glamorous spots of Europe, Rouen, Ram, Monte Carlo, Aintree, wherever the thrill-hungry built racetracks, there you'll find the Grand Prix Young Racers. And to the glamour girls who've lived too fast, heaven on earth is in the arms of a young racer. It hurts to love a man that can be dead next week. <laughs> hurts real good though, doesn't it, honey? They live every moment as if there'll be no tomorrow. Not every day you get Monte Carlo and Aintree mentioned in the uh, the same breath, but uh, so I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell us about this. Yeah, too. I mean that's the, that 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 year was uh, the British Grand Prix was held at Aintree, so they actually filmed there was a, a racetrack at Aintree. Oh. It wasn't just a, a horse racing track or a, a, a hair coursing track, and uh, it's uh, I, I've, I've seen I've driven around Monaco so many times this week. I reckon I can do it in my sleep. <laughs> right. um, it's, it, it obviously lends itself to film, and uh, and it's in every one of these films, and uh, it features quite heavily in them. Um, but it's just this one's about a, a former driver who's now a writer, but then he goes back into into and he wants to uh, expose this uh, womanising, uh, win at all cost fellow driver. And uh, he sort of he finds out that there's another side to this bloke. But <laughs> another thing I've learned this week is if you're a woman, don't go out with a Formula One driver. Good advice. When you're picking fictional names for a character, according to my the Hello. notes we have here, uh, the racer turned Hello. writer. Hello, can you hear us, Andy? Have you I dropped off? You. I've lost you. I can hear you. We can hear please you. do not swear. Uh, we're gonna we'll get we'll get Andy back. I'll tell Andy Jacobs yeah. uh, what the name was. According to yeah. this, the, the character Andy was talking about there that looks to expose uh, uh, the person is a, uh, a racer turned writer called Steve Children. <laughs> I know it's great, yeah. isn't it? Have you ever heard anybody's surname? Is that, do you know anybody called he Steve for TV Children? Yeah, Children would be. Yeah, it would be. He's yeah. play, played by Mark Damon, who uh, and but it's uncredited. But William Shatner actually recorded all his uh, dialogue uh, on a loop after the film had been made because they didn't like his accent. So they, wow. they, they got William Shatner to dub it all on afterwards. And it's uh, wow. completely young. Yeah. Wow. I wonder it cost out. 15 million. Quite yeah. a high budget <laughs> film for that time. So would you recommend, do you only, do you only first seen it this week, Andy, or was it a bit of an old fave? Uh, no, I only saw it this week. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, I mean, compared to, uh, some of the ones I've left out, like the Betsy, uh, it's it's a it's a great little film. Yeah, I okay. mean it's it's classic sort of sixties okay. film. And where can you find it, Annie? Where can people find it if they want to watch it? I I got it on uh, Netflix. So okay, all right. Mm. Uh, the young next up, it's it's a Pacino film, Al Pacino film, Bobby Deerfield. Yeah, yeah, brilliantly. Oh, Al Pacino yeah. uh, took the role and then then told them that he couldn't drive. <laughs> 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 Brilliant! Great. So, so you had to have you had to have uh, seventy days uh, uh, learning to drive uh, wow. before they'd let him in. Obviously, a Formula Three car, which was done up to look like a Formula One car. Um, but yeah, this is the story of a famous American driver who falls in love with the enigmatic Lillian Morelli, who is terminally ill. Right. And uh, yeah, the actress playing Lillian Morelli, she had to. She had to really lose a lot of weight just to play the part, but uh, he was—he's great in it because he just—he doesn't show any emotion at all. It's really weird watching 
a film where the lead actor is playing sort of a really boring bloke, basically, but you still wow. are fascinated to watch him, you know. Yeah. We're going to play a bit all, of... They the... drive... Um... Hmm. All right, go on. I was going to play a little bit of the trailer again. You'll see similarities, although it's not uh, uh, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the young races, but this is a little bit of the Bobby Deerfield trailer. Magnetic. Idolised, but alone. Moving in his own world. Motivated by disaster. Courted by death and women. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I preferred the other bloke's voiceover. I thought it was better myself. Yeah. Courted by death and yeah, yeah, women. Yeah. I go with women. <laughs> for it's, music, tales. it's got uh, for... it's got James Hunt and, and uh, Mario Andretti are actually in that one, which is oh, uh, well. always good to see real people. Yeah, yeah, they pop up. But not as good as the next one, Grand Prix, where yeah. Graham Hill makes his acting debut. Oh, my God. You just cannot stop. I take it he's really Hill. good from what you say there. <laughs> <laughs> There's one bit where James Garner sort of casts aspersions about one of the other driver's wives. And uh, he's Graham Hill's in the conversation and he just sort of he shakes his head and sort of looks at the camera. And you sort of go, well, he's obviously been told to shake his head and look at the camera. <laughs> and then... There's another scene where someone's um, someone's having a, a chat at a dinner table, and you see Graham Hill walk into shop and get a lobster and a bit of salad at the table behind him. <laughs> it's very funny. You can't but take your eyes off Graham Hill. It's got a lot of uh, top drivers at it the has. time, isn't it? Graham yeah. Hill, Fangio, Jim Clark, Jochen Rindt, Jack Brabham. I mean, these are legends of the sport. Yeah, yeah, and they've all got little they've all got little lines because there's a bit where they're they're arguing about. Um, uh, the Nürburgring, whether to race it in the rain, and wow. uh, and they say, and and uh, uh, Yves Montand's going, I really don't think that we should arrive. We drive today, and uh, they all and, and so <laughs> Jim, Jim Brabham comes in, and, Jim Brabham comes in, and he goes, No, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> and Graham and, Hill comes in and says, "I'll have the lobster." Got his mayonnaise. Yeah, he just looks at the camera <laughs> and shakes his head constantly. That's right. Yeah, that was his role. The, it, it was. We should say, yeah, this won three Academy Awards. This oh film. yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much to the annoyance of the, Steve uh, McQueen. Yeah, but Steve oh, McQueen yeah. was supposed to play the James Garner role, and he didn't get on with John Frankenheimer, the director, so got off the project. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, went yeah. off to make Le Mans which wasn't successful. It's a documentary about the making of Le Mans. You'd always wanted to do yeah, a yeah, motorsport yeah, yeah. film. Oh, but yeah. backed yeah. out of this, I've seen and that. this was uh, quite successful and came about four or five years before Le Mans. So he was a bit put out. Let's play you a bit of the trailer then of uh, Grand Prix. From the glamour capitals of Europe comes the exciting drama of the men and the women who live the passionate adventure of Grand Prix racing. I like his voice. They were too. quite quite keen on a love interest in all of these, of course. Uh, oh yeah, they? yeah. You have to have yeah, a bit yeah. of romance. Yeah, you do. Well, that's that's very true. And so the, um, on, we should go on to number two, um, and this is yeah. uh, one, one of one of the great sporting documentaries, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, I don't normally put documentaries in, but this one has to go in really because it's it is just fant a fantastic film about the life of Ayrton Senna, and mm. it's. Uh, 
it's it's sort of about, about his rivalry with Alan Prost, and Prost doesn't actually come out of it too well. Um, but at the end, he's there, you know, um, carrying the coffin. Oh, spoiler alert! Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, he's. <laughs> I think I think we know the yeah, story. So, yeah, yeah. No, he, he won the three world championships and mm. sadly died at the age of thirty-four. And uh, and uh, basically, uh, it was it was the rule changes in the in the cars sort of. Uh, um, uh, computer allowances uh, that sort of did for him, and, uh, and 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 the accident was just a pure fluke that you know the uh, the, the rods that uh, one of the rods holding the wheel just uh, went through his helmet, and if it had been like you know two inches left or two inches right, he'd have, he'd have lived. It's, uh, it's a very sad story, but it's a great film. It shows his his love of Brazil and how he you know his foundation and his his. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just just a great documentary, really. Yeah, fantastic. We'll play again. Uh, you mentioned Alan Prost there and his, his problems with Senna, and he kicks off this little clip here. Anton has a small problem. He thinks that he can't kill himself. And I think that's very dangerous. You are competing to win. And if you no longer go for a gap, you're no longer a racing driver. Yeah, sensational mm. film. Uh, if you Great haven't Murray seen Walker that, there. I'd, I'd be he, very surprised, but it's brilliant. We it's should, absolutely brilliant. We, we should say it's directed by Asif Kapadia, who did the did. brilliant uh, Maradona film. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and Amy as well. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't a big Formula One fan when they gave it. That's why they gave it to him. Because mm. um, they wanted someone to come from outside the world of uh, Formula One who didn't really know the story. So that they yeah. got a, a, a sort of brand new look at it. So, were there any F1 films that didn't didn't make the top five? Are there, or have you it hits us with the five today? Purely yeah, please, in F1. These are the. Please five. don't ever watch. Please don't ever watch the Betsy. It's a, <laughs> it's a 1978 film um, based on a Harold Robbins book, and right. it stars Larry Olivier. Oh yeah, um, and he is it. God, he's hamming it up. <laughs> he really is. is <laughs> Hello, love. If you want to see. If, if you know, if you've if you if you've if you've been sort of like living on a, a diet of uh, Fellini films or, or you know, high high art films, this is one mm. to then go to to sort of cleanse your palate because it is so bad. I mean, he obviously had a really big tax bill that year, and he just took it and he does. <laughs> <laughs> it really is an awful film. It's got um, a there's good a cast, product. doesn't it? It's got well, it's got Robert Duvall and Tommy cast. Lee Jones. Fantastic yeah. cast. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones plays the, the the big driver in it. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's yeah. I mean, you you look at it and you think, oh, this would be great, and then no, <laughs> it really Ooh. is bad. Okay, and. Uh, and then there's a Prada, which is a, a Bollywood movie, which is, mm. uh, involves a, a, a jewelry robbery and uh, and an Indian driver winning a Formula One race. So that, that okay. was, uh, and then uh, yeah, that's quite fascinating. Okay. Well, you're and number then the, one. The then. Williams. Yeah, yeah gone. Number oh, yeah, one is, is obviously Rush. No, yeah. number yeah, one is Rush. Terrific film. It's just a great film. I mean, when Nicky Lauda saw it, apparently he said. Uh, Sugar, that's me. Well, he didn't say sugar, but yeah, he said that's <laughs> me. He just <laughs> and um, Ron Howard, who was the, who directed it, um, he he decided that he was going to uh, preview it before the German Grand Prix that, in 2013 to all the drivers and their crews, and he said he'd never been so nervous. And at the end, they just all stood up and then gave a standing ovation because it's. It's so true to the, the, the actual story of what yeah. happened. Although they took a few liberties, obviously, because in, the, in real life, um, 
Nicky Lauder and James Hunt actually shared a flat for a, a couple of years. So mm. they did. They weren't that big rivals, you know. They, they weren't. They didn't hate each other that much as some of the film sort of puts out. Yeah, well, we've got a little clip. But it's a great of it. story. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. We keep, we're, we're obviously we no, have no. a delay. We have a delay between us, folks, as you can appreciate. So we're we're doing we're doing our best, and none of us can see each other. But <laughs> let's hopeless. let's just give you let's just give you a little clip uh, uh, from the movie showing those two at loggerheads. There's a lie that all drivers tell themselves. Death is something that happens to other people. What kind of person does a job like this? Each year, two of us die. James can be a loose cannon. Nick is a genius setting up the cars. I accept every time I get in my car, there's 20% chance I could die. Being driven around 170 miles per hour, this seems a bomb on wheels. I'm quicker than all of you. And let's race. Yeah, it gives you a good flavour of it. That it is, it's a, it's a cracking yeah. film, isn't it, Andy? It is, yeah. And uh, there's a bit at the end with James Hunt uh, in Superstars dribbling a football, and I was actually there at Crystal Palace that day when he did that. Yeah, I was, I was, I was about <laughs> 13 years old. Then. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Look, before we let you go, but, we, yeah. know, we know the, the comedy store players have got uh, something up and running at the moment that people can go and oh, watch you yes. in action. So tell us, just tell us briefly about that. Yeah, if you go to the Comedy Store website and uh, you can download tomorrow tomorrow night at 7.30 a, a, a whole hour of uh, the Comedy Store players. It's a show we did back in 19, uh, no, back in 2018. Right. And uh, it's... Uh, They've edited it down to an hour. So it's Paul Merton, Josie Lawrence, myself, Lee Simpson, Neil Malarkey and Richard Branch doing doing what we do at the comedy store. And it's just to sort of raise a bit of money to keep the club open, really. Excellent. Um, Thank you, but if, uh, yeah, it starts at 7.30 and I'll be live tweeting my reactions to it as it goes out. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, best of luck there. Also, just should ask you, were you in Hello. Leicestershire in a place called Market Bosworth last Thursday? Because police yeah. reported that a naked man said to resemble the Grand Tour presenter James May was spotted on a bridge. And I know you're often mistaken <laughs> for the great <laughs> motoring presenter. <laughs> it wasn't me. Probably not. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. He was in Barnard <laughs> Castle last Thursday. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. On this day in 1962 was the infamous Battle of Santiago. Uh, I don't remember it firsthand. Even Andy was a toddler. Well, maybe slightly older than that. I was maybe. 10. 21st birthday. Oh, a 10. So um, <laughs> it, it's a quite amazing game. And it was kind of, it's, it was elevated really through the comments of uh, David Coleman, the BBC commentator. Uh, this is two days after the match, because uh, not when he said it, uh, but when it arrived in the UK and was shown to a British audience, because it took 48 hours for the footage to find its way back from uh, Chile. But uh, this was David Coleman's immediate reaction uh, to the game he just witnessed between the host Chile and Italy. Good evening. The game you're about to see is the most stupid, appalling, disgusting and disgraceful exhibition of football possibly in the history of the game. Chile versus Italy. This is the first time the two countries have met. We hope it will be the last. The national motto of Chile reads, by reason or by force. Today, the Chileans were prepared to be reasonable. The Italians only use force. And the result was a disaster for the World Cup. Now, if the World Cup is going to survive in its present form, something's got to be done about teams that play like this. Indeed, after seeing the film tonight, you at home may well think that teams that play in this manner ought to be expelled immediately from the competition. Yeah, uh, not happy, yeah. I'd say, David. Was not. <laughs> I, 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 to be fair, I think Chile were not blameless in this. I've watched no. the, the 1962 official World Cup film last only last week. And oh, so right. I saw some of the footage in this. And uh, yeah. Ken Aston, the English referee, he had a nightmare, really. <laughs> it was very difficult for him. I mean, well, it, what could it, he do? It, uh, to be fair to him, I, I did a little bit of background reading into the game because I, you know, I knew that famous bit of David Coleman but mm. a few things I didn't know. Ken Aston was basically, it was going to be a Spanish ref, but they decided Ken Aston would be a safer pair of hands. And there was a moment uh, in the game which he didn't punish a Chilean player for. Was He was a boxer's son, the Chilean player, and he put a fantastic left hook on one of the Italians. Yeah. Lionel Sanchez, his name. Laid him out, and uh, and Ken didn't see it. And, and the two uh, linesmen just didn't want to get involved because by that stage... It was a, a proper scrap. But the other thing, Andy, is that... that no, 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 hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yeah. To compound that, Ken sent yeah. off the bloke who was laid out on the floor. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he sent off the Italian who got the, who got the left hook. Italy went... The backdrop to it was, before the World Cup, the Italian press, Italian journalists, all their big papers had said, why are we holding a World Cup in Chile? It's a terrible place to hold a World Cup and basically just denigrated the place. And it was appalling, it was rife with prostitution, really slagged the place off completely. So when these journalists turned up, a couple of them had to be sent back for their own safety because, uh, because they were they'd spotted one guy who was actually Spanish but looked a bit like one of the Italian press was beaten up in a bar. So there was very, very uh, strong feelings about it. That whole World Cup by that stage, had been a bit of a, a, a bit of a mess. Had been lots and lots of sendings off, and uh, I think it, it, it was a quite amazing World Cup. 
Uh, yeah, sorry, Andy. The, no, I was going to say, the film of the work, it's well worth watching. I'm grateful that you recommended it. It's, um, I mean, they're a bit slow paced, these films, so you, you probably can't watch them all in one go. But they yeah. had that famous incident with Jimmy Greaves when the dog runs onto the pitch. You'll, I'm sure you'll have seen this. And mm. uh, uh, basically, the other players try and tackle the dog and fail. And Jimmy, his body language is brilliant. He gets down on his haunches and he sort of lures the dog and he calms the dog down, picks the dog up, and hands it over to the official but as he picks it up as, as Jim later was to tell or recount the dog weed on him basically yeah. and when you look at the footage you can see Jim just like wringing his hands because he's just the dog's done what he's done so, oh dear. but it's yes it's a remarkable moment really yeah. so uh, but football was so different than I was telling you I was with one of the games the referee honestly looked like Oliver Hardy he's the fattest ref I've ever seen he was <laughs> six Mike Riley's across it was unbelievable <laughs> really you know yes I don't think I don't think you'd have that now but uh, yeah no it was a very very different game. It changed a lot football um, after that. I think 66 was a big seed change and, se and 70, of course, with Brazil and everything. But uh, yeah, there's, there's still some great moments in it, but generally the football's fairly pedestrian. Yeah. I mean, did they talk about that in this film? Because uh, they said even before uh, that match, in the eight games played before the Battle of Santiago, uh, it, this is over the first two days of the tournament, there have been four red cards, three broken legs, a fractured ankle, and quite a few cracked ribs. Um, there was a no, game between Argentina, that at all. <laughs> Argentina and Bulgaria uh, at a game which was described as a, uh, hacking, tripping, pushing, and dirty tricks. So it sounds like the old, the old World Cup was like that, just a massive kicking match. Well, if you remember those games where you know, the champions of Europe would play the champions of South America, they were always oh, yeah. ended up in violent punch-ups, whoever was involved. And the, also, the, mm. you see at the start of this film, the Germany team, the German team, arrive, West Germany actually, arrive in Santiago on a sort of propeller plane. You think... Blimey, I've flown to Santiago. It's quite a long... I went in a 757, like the latest possible jet. I don't know what on earth it must have been like flying. It yeah. must have taken like over a day, I would have thought, to get there. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, and finally, with this, I mean, Ken Aston, I, mean, I told you last week, the refer he's, the linesman is about a foot shorter than him. And when the players are yeah. threatening him, he runs over to protect Ken, and you think, you're, you're not going to be much good, really, are you? You're not really going to be able to help him. One little sidebar. It's quite an amazing story. One of the linesmen in that game was uh, was Jewish, and uh, really? he was he was in that short he, bloke. He no, he was in uh, he was in one of the the camps and was basically being marched to his death when one of the German guards said, "Does anybody know how to referee a football match?" And he immediately put his hand up and said, "Yes, I do. I'm a referee." So they, wow. pulled the, they pulled him out of the line. He survived the war, moved to America afterwards, and, uh, and did stay in football. He was blagging it. He'd done a few amateur games, but, you know, when someone presents you with that opportunity, he just said, yes, that's me. And what an amazing what story. What an amazing so story. Yeah, one, of the linesmen, one of the linesmen in that game cheated death and, uh, and, and went on and had a career in the game. So, look, go and check it out. Battle of Santiago. You won't believe it. There's kind of chest-eye tackles, people being kicked in the face. It, it's, 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 it's like, like it's, WWE, basically. It is like WWE, and it's readily available on YouTube, but it was uh, on this day in 1962. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. 
Well, this takes you back to 2006. Um, some old mini discs have resurfaced at Talk Sport with uh, lots of old clips on. And uh, we're playing you a few highlights from the ones that have turned up. And we've not heard these since then, so they're all new to us. Um, we've got some little intros. Well, there's, one, to... there's one we've heard quite a lot. Oh, yes. Actually. Oh, yes. Sorry. There is, there is one that's fairly infamous. But uh, anyway, we'll get underway. Uh, there'll be a fresh batch on Friday. I think tomorrow we're going to bring you the clips of the month for May but uh, for now here we go July August 2006 and we start with Mr Parry talking about all things equine well I'm sorry I don't, it's rubbish I mean a horse is so tough why do, you, why do you think the expression strong as horses is used it's because horses are the toughest things that we deal with in our everyday life strong than ox I think is is normally the same yeah, strong as horses <laughs> no, he knows, he knows he's got it wrong, doesn't he? But he's not backing down. No, no, strong as horses. We've all used it. Can we can we play him that one tomorrow? <laughs> I will stand by the fact that horses are still strong. I'm sure he'll tell us that tomorrow. It's true. This is a caller now to Fisherman's Blues. I, I look after a series of gravel pits on the A40 um, just outside of Oxford. Uh, I look after a quarry as well, so I've got quite a high-profile job. Oh, nice. Guess what I mean. <laughs> well, What's enough. your definition of a high-profile job? Well, it is. I mean, in its own way, it's a quarry, for goodness sake. Yes, um, it's important work. Here's the, uh, it's quite brief, this, but here's the quarter of the week now. Trevor's in London. Trevor, hello. Final call this morning. Hello, good morning. What have you got to say very quickly? Well, don't bother then. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't Who's bother the presenter? then. Can, I, you know, do, I don't know. Identify? Couldn't I, I can't work that was. out. Maybe one of the listeners yeah. can, uh, can work it That's out. Anyway, amazing. what's next? It's, uh, Graham, it's Graham Beecroft and Mickey Quinn with a competition winner. We've got to go to Tom, who is in Canvey Island. We think you've got it right, Tom. Go on. Hello, Hello. Tom. Hello. Hello, Hi, Tom. you're on the air. Hi, I'm, I'm not in Canvey Island. I'm in Edinburgh. <laughs> Always get those two mixed up. I know you go to the Canvey Island Festival every year, yeah, Andy. Yeah, I do. I yeah, you love it. <laughs> Not in Canby Island. Uh, this is the former late night presenter, George Galloway, now with a surprise shout out. Happy birthday, Fidel Castro. Thank you for listening. <laughs> really? Bloody idea here. Hello, George. Fidel here. Hello, George. Fidel, you love the show. Great listen. Fantastic. Who was that presenter in the clips of the week? I don't know. Hang on a minute. I just got a light of cigar. Well, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Back to the calls on Fisherman's Blues, this time to Keith Arthur. About colour blindness, mate. Oh, yeah. Um, in 1940, as a 16 year old, I went through a stringent colour blind test to, go, to uh, join God's wonderful railway footplate staff. Oh, yeah. And I passed. Good for you. Yeah. Because red, uh, red and green is the big trouble yeah. for men, and many and, more uh, men are colour blind than I women. I understood, Keith, in those days that you could be colour blind as well as red. Colourblind. Yes. Mate. Yep. Have you heard that? Yes, I haven't. It, it, it mainly affects men. Men are far more likely to be colourblind and red colourblind than women are. We confuse red and green, which is why it's quite important to have the test if you're if you're a footplateman on a railway line because the signals tend to be those colours. Mm. So you passed okay, so you can see colours as good as anyone. Yeah, I can hear you, Keith, very well. <laughs> Slightly well, fizzled great. out, but <laughs> yeah. it was quite interesting for a while. Yeah, it just oh, well, there, oh, it was a bit weird, didn't it? So anyway, Mister <laughs> Mister Parry again here, talking yeah. to uh, Alan Brazil about his football career. 
Now, you played international football, Al. You're exceptional. If somebody walked up and down the high street in Milton Keynes for the next three days and stopped every male member of the community and said, excuse me, have you played football at international level for your country? You wouldn't find one person who'd done that. That's how rare it is, Al. <laughs> yes, well, you would if they lived, they lived in Milton Keynes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have a bearing on it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Here's Beaky reading out a text. Uh, just a quick time capsule uh, text from uh, Sue in Somerset. She says, I'd like to bring back the Sonny Liston-Cassius Clay fight when Cassius knocked Clay out in the first minute. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like a bent fight, doesn't it? Cassius <laughs> knocking out Clay. <laughs> Dear me, you wouldn't have liked that, old Muhammad yeah. Ali. Uh, nope. This is our much-loved and sadly missed former cricket correspondent, the great Jack Bannister, with an update. Talk Sports Jack Bannister is at the Oval. Well, they've taken two. We caught in uh, two overs. Inzaman caught. <laughs> he just <laughs> well, got a bit lost enough. there, old Jack. It yeah. happens. And uh, actually, if uh, Mike Parry's right, that might not have been Jack Bannister at all. But in fact, it was his Scottish cousin. 336 for two. That's a lead already of 163 yeah. with plenty of power to add. Yeah, I can see how concerned you are, Jock. Frankly. Uh... Jock? Jock? Jock Bannister? Jock Bannister. <laughs> All right, Jock. Uh, back to Beaky again now. OK, well, let's turn our attention, well, we'll stay with international football in a way, and but turn our attention certainly uh, towards Northern Ireland. Okay. In a way. That's in great. a way, yeah. Went to a Euros, Beaky. Not, not at that stage, obviously. Uh, this is Big Al reading out a text. Al, New Sopranos, Thursday, E4. What's that mean? It's <laughs> a channel. <laughs> Alan's one of the biggest fans of the Sopranos. Now. I know. In those days, he didn't it even know what E4. it was. That was E4 he had the problem <laughs> oh, with, I see. not the Sopranos. Right. Uh, here's a caller to uh, Mr. Brazil on breakfast talking. Well, we don't quite know what he's actually talking about. That's good, John. With Hiya, John. Morning, John. Oh, all right. Oh. Go on, Hello, John. Oh, listen, all I want to see is really going to get vilified the same way as really. Rune. <laughs> Just a what? man repeatedly saying the word Rune. <laughs> right. Now, this and is the one you might know. Yes. <clears throat> Do you want to give it to us, Andy? Well, I might. It's Andy Townsend now in a clip we're calling Move Over Barry Norman. Good morning. Mm. Now, snakes on a plane. I've seen some posters of Samuel L. Jackson with this snake. And yep. uh, it's a, now, tell us what this one's all about. Well, I think the clue's in the name, Andy, isn't it? <laughs> snakes in a plane. <laughs> it's a legitimate question. Yeah. What's this about? <laughs> and finally, it's Beaky and Quinny discussing one of the most iconic moments in sporting history. And I'd, I'd like to go back to, uh, when was it, Beaky? 19, was it 47, Jesse Owens, when he ran in the Olympics? I would have, no, it would have Munich. been before the... Munich, uh, was it? Yes, it would have been, it was before the war. 43, was, was it? 43? Was it, was it 45? I can't remember. Anyway, no, it wouldn't have been during When the, Hitler was watching anyway. That's right. It would and have been. the look on Hitler's face, and I'd love to be standing next to him and Jesse Owens won and say, mm. stick that up your kilt, Adolf. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Quite sketchy on the history. Don't like the yeah. idea of watching that in 1947 either, do yeah, he's you? he's still alive. Well, that's yeah. it. He fled, he fled to Scotland. That's why he's wearing a well, kilt. It's ridiculous. Stick that up your kilt, Adolf. Blimey, Fred's Dad's oh, well. army. Anyway, there we are, some, a bit of sketchy. I thought those for years. They're from 2006. We'll have a bit of a break. We're going to bring you the clips of the month for May tomorrow, and uh, and then we'll keep raiding the archives now and again. Of course, we'll have a fresh batch uh, for you on um, Friday, around the same time, at half past three. But uh, we turn now, of course, Andy, uh, to the uh, murder oh, yes. mystery 
they're all talking about. It is um, Steve Bruce's striker. We spoke to Seamus O'Reilly yesterday. He was Britain's foremost uh, expert on the literary works of Steve Bruce. He's made it his life's work. But uh, we'll play on with striker for now. We think we might be able to bring you another one of the books, all being well. Ian Danter is bringing it to life, of course, with a brilliant impression of Steve Bruce. Steve wrote this book, one of three books he wrote back in the late 90s. And we pick it up today with the Lettersford town manager, Steve Barnes. He's been kidnapped by a couple of masked individuals and is convinced they're planning on killing him. Right on top of the moorland plateau, the tall man told the driver to stop. It was on such a bleak, lonely upland that I was about to die, and to die for a crime I had not committed. I felt within me the rise of an anger such as I have never before experienced. Yet, even as I experienced this great wave of anger and fear, I knew I had to stay cool. My salvation, if it were to come, rested in being, if possible, one step ahead of these guys. The trouble was they were armed and I was not. Get going, the man with the gun said. I stepped out of the Vauxhall. I started to walk, slowly and steadily. I had no desire to rush to my death. This was a perfect place for a dead body to lie undiscovered for a very long time. Surface water was everywhere. My trainers were soon soaked through. At one stage, I almost fell headlong into a moorland pool. I stared into the depths and made out the skeleton of a sheep. The animal had fallen into the tarn and been unable to climb back up the slippery wet sides. If I had fallen in, that too might have been my fate. I searched the vast expanse of peat and sedge, looking in vain for the sight of another human being. The man with the gun urged me to keep going upward. The other man, the little fat guy, was finding the exercise a bit difficult. He was not in the best physical shape. I've read in books that people about to be executed lose control of their bodily functions. I could well believe this. For a brief moment, I could sense it was going to happen to me. For a moment, there was utter weakness in my legs and fear in my bowels. Not only was I going to die, but I was going to die messily. Sorry if you're having your lunch. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've backed out there before uh, Steve soils himself. You'll be pleased to hear. <laughs> right. So uh, there we are. Uh, there's, a, there's a big there's a, a skeleton like of a blinders, sheep, wasn't it? That bit there. <laughs> no, no, but wow, a skeleton of a sheep. How yeah. long would it take a sheep buried in water to decompose to a skeleton? It would take ages. I'm no Cathy no Wrights. I don't know these things, Andy. I've got, I've got, I'm not armed <laughs> with this sort of knowledge off the top of my head. I'd need, to, I'd need to Wikipedia at least. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast there we are uh, that was this afternoon's show uh, we will return tomorrow at one and i hope you enjoyed that and thanks very much for listening as always you've been listening to the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m on talk sport selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.